Hi guys, welcome and or welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I'm your host Monica and yes, it's been a while. We've been on hiatus, but we're back from hiatus and I'm back from the hiatus with a returning guest. Everyone say hi to Tristan. Hi. Tristan, Hello, introduce everyone. yourself. All right, so my name is Tristan Evans. I am a pop culture writer and film critic. I write for the websites Geek Vibes Nation, The mm-hmm. Cinema Spot, and United by Pop. Mm-hmm. Um, my Tristan Circa 89 YouTube channel, film YouTube channel, is oh. going to make its return <laughs> this year as well. So you can go, you can go that Tristan, T-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, It's going to be in the description. It's going to be in the description. Awesome. Check out those videos. And again, it's going to make its return this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check out my articles. Check out my videos. Yes, yes, yes. Guys, thank you so much for coming back to another episode of I've Been Meaning to Watch That. Because it is a new year, we're doing things a little bit differently. Today, we're going to start off with um, Can't Wait to Watch, which is where we're going to actually talk about new releases coming out very soon and touch on some entertainment news. And I think it's going to be fun. One new release a lot of people are talking about is Megan. It is the new Universal Pictures and Bloomhouse film. You know, it stars Allison Williams from Get Out and also the HBO show Girls. And it has a lot of other people in the movie as well. Apparently, Ronnie Chang is in the movie, which is pretty cool, I have to say. But um, yeah, Megan is out in theaters. Also, House Party. It stars... Jacob Lattimore from um, <laughs> Disney Channel fame, I believe it was. So, House Party. I think it's also... An- I low-key thought the movie was going to be a Netflix when it was announced, but I guess not. And then, there aren't a lot of new releases in the winter. The Teen Wolf movie's coming out. Are you excited for the Teen Wolf movie, Tristan? Yes, I am. I actually oh, you're actually watching it? I got my screener earlier oh. this week. I've watched it. I'm going to watch it again. That's all I'm going to say. And oh. then Megan, I watched Megan last week. Enjoyed that. My mm-hmm. review will be forthcoming. I'll be. It'll be somewhere. Okay. But yeah. All right. Dope. A lot of people have talked about how much they love the movie Megan. And I haven't seen it yet. I feel like it's one of those things where like, you know, a movie comes out and you kind of know it's bad. But the fact that it's bad makes it good. And maybe this movie will actually be good and I'll like it. But I have a feeling that it's bad and that like people like it because it's just like camp. Is that the word? Camp? Is, yeah, I would agree. It is very campy. I do agree that it's kind of campy. But I like, I had fun watching it and I think it's because of the camp factor. So I won't, I'm not going to say anything either way because I don't want to influence you either way. But I, I'll okay. be interested in hearing your thoughts. <coughs> Absolutely. And there's another movie coming out on Netflix called You People, which is a movie with uh, Lauren London and um, Jonah Hill. And Murphy. Oh, yeah. And Murphy is in it as well. Um, Neil Long. The funny... Okay. There are two things people keep, keep bringing up on TikTok about this movie. But the one thing I want to bring up is the fact that Lauren London is light-skinned. But if both of her parents are like very brown, mahogany. Like Eddie Murphy plays her dad. Nia Long plays her mom. Nia Long kind of looks like Lauren London, but not like her mom, I guess. I don't want to play the whole like, are they... Let me shut up. Lauren London's parents. So one thing I told myself, because I've seen this in real life. Because I was like, I guess it could be the sort of thing where like, 
Because, like, I have a sister whose dad was, um, who's very light-skinned, and our, and our mother, you know, uh, had my skin color, and my sister turned out light-skinned. So I'm thinking, maybe it's the sort of thing where, like, one of Eddie Murphy or Nia Long's parents was, like, biracial or light-skinned, and there was a dark-skinned parent, whoever, you know, one of them took after the dark-skinned parent. But, you know, it, basically, it's like, what, a recessive trait, where they could have a daughter <laughs> Light skin. I, I, I just, you know, because genetics are, are a funny thing. Yeah, I'm looking too deeply into this. I think the one thing that I found not strange, but I was watching the trailer for the movie. A lot of people said this on TikTok, and I'll just repeat it. A lot of people did not see Lauren London and Jonah Hill together as a couple. And I have to agree, okay, on you can't just cast whoever you want to cast in a movie and just hope those two actors look well together and they mesh what together like yes yeah. what happened to the chemistry test they did not pass the chemistry test they don't seem like they're dating they seem like they're pretty good friends like it's kind of like that thing where it's like that's my friend right there or like either work friend you really like where it's like we cool we friends in one area and then the next area i don't really talk to you like that's my work friend we don't hang outside of work you know that's my friend right, right. at like aa we don't hang out with him anywhere else no one needs to know i go to aa it's like one of those things so i feel like they don't they don't look like a couple they don't don't. like i like jonah hill but like does he date black women i don't believe so so isn't it's not that but it's like it's one of those things where it's like i need them to explain in the movie like is he just like super funny and, or he just appealed to her because he was super different than the guy she had dated before. You know, oh. some, of those, some of those ways in which, it, you know, in real life, you'll see couples that are mismatched. And you're like, well, then you get to know them. And it's like, oh, like, you realize that there's a deeper, there's deeper feelings. And you're like, oh, okay, well, this is what appeals to that person. Like, mm-hmm. the, I guess the better looking person, which sounds horrible. But I but... think it's going to be, I am guessing it's going to be a, a, one of those things. Especially because Kenya Barris, the guy who's creating it. I mean, he makes he writes comedy, so there's no way he's not gonna address that. Kenya Burris, the man who made Mixedish. Mm. I don't Mixedish, and he did something with Netflix that when people didn't like. Like, oh my gosh, I remember he had a show where it was his family, like his family, and everyone was light skinned, and then like Rashida Jones is in the show, and like Rashida mm-hmm. Jones is black. But when you first look at her, she does not look black. So everyone mm-hmm. was like, why does Kenya Burris' family look so light-skinned? Huh? People on Twitter, I don't get too deeply into the threads, but people on Twitter are like, why is he so obsessed with, like, biracial? She's biracial! She's biracial! It was so funny. People have, like, really started... There's, like, Twitter discourse oh my God. about this subject. of like, why is he so... Like, yeah, I, it's, it's, I find it funny. Yeah, it's also kind of like you know, I've been watching a lot of newer shows lately. I'm trying to find my new comfort show, or I'm trying to keep up with the times. And a lot of new shows that come out have um, racially ambiguous leads. Yeah, Netflix yeah. loved that. Netflix, loves that. Loves even that. yeah, and like, even um, it's just so funny because, like, speaking of Teen Wolf, Jeff Davis, like, mm-hmm. if you watch that show. He did not mess with people, a whole bunch of people of color on that show. And then the new show that's coming out called Wolfpack, which mm-hmm. he's executive producing and writing. Oh, um, yeah, Wolfpack. It has a it has a racially ambiguous lead. Mm-hmm. But again, all the leads are white kids. Like, it's like the racially ambiguous guy, mm-hmm. two blonde-haired, blue-eyed white girls, and then a white guy. 
who's gay because you know Jeff's always gonna have him a white gay boy in there, which uh... makes sense because he's gay. But I mean, it's like you couldn't give you couldn't give us no nothing else. Yeah, something new, something different. It's gonna be a Teen Wolf repeat. Like, come on now. No, you're right. You're right. That's that's valid. Ah, oh, Jeff Davis. That's really why I'm not watching like Wolfpack or the Teen Wolf movie. I left that all behind in middle school. And also, I don't like how they did Arden Cho. She was right to speak up about how she right. was treated unfairly. It's also not fair that like fans will like die for Allison, even though Arden Cho was like, Allison was cool. Allison was cool in the show. She had a bow and arrow. She was badass. She was super, super pretty. Like the actress who plays her is gorgeous. But Arden Cho. Arden Cho, when she came on that show, and she started doing all the, like, karate stuff. I don't know. She was killing it. Yeah. yeah. She was great. She was amazing. And, like, and, it, and it, it's really it's really odd looking because it's, like, so Jeff Davis, you really just brought in this Asian actress so that you could, like, use that mythology and all that oh! stuff the show. <laughs> and then when you were done with her, you were done with her. And then let's not even get it. Right? We haven't even fully addressed all the stuff she went through. And that stuff's going to yeah. come out one day, just like all the stuff Cat Graham went through is going to oh come out Oh my gosh. And it has some looking, it just has some looking really bad. And I know Jeff Davis is so scared that Arden Cho is really going to start telling business. The reason, only reason Arden Cho isn't talking right now because she doesn't want to ruin her chances, like her career opportunities. Mm-hmm. I know that man is scared she's going to talk because if you go and watch, remember in 2020 when a bunch of shows were doing like those reunion Zoom calls or YouTube calls or whatever, mm-hmm. or like, you know, just reunion chats? Yeah. Every time, she, if you go back and watch the Teen Wolf reunion chat, every time that girl open open her mouth, homeboy is scared. She's like, I remember, you know, there's one part where she's like, oh yeah, I didn't get a souvenir from set. He's like, oh yeah, I'll try to find that from, like he's trying his best to please her because he's so afraid she's gonna, I don't know, like, I, I, Jeff, I see you, Jeff Davis. I see you. I see you, Jeff. All these white men in entertainment lately have been just like, Lord, like with, it sucks to happen with Arden Show and then Cat Graham and then of course Candace Patton with mm-hmm. The Flash. I'll never not bring that up. It's not fair that these shows with sizable audiences are so completely just like there's no other word for it, just racist towards the you know leads of color, especially the female leads. And mm-hmm. they listen, they show up, they do their job. Those women being you know not white. Or being in your shows and playing characters that are traditionally white, even though them being white has nothing to do with their story or it's relevant to the character or story. Like, in any way, like, you get so up in arms over it and it's like, why? Why do you care? Yes, Candace Patton is playing The Flash's girlfriend. Cat Graham is a black vampire. You thought vampires were only white? Hello? Like, ugh. I no, Cat Graham was a, she was a witch. She was a witch. Oh, I never watched the show. So I don't even okay. know. <laughs> and a big thing that would happen, so like, first, like if you go and watch the show, in the first two seasons, you'll notice that all the witches are biracial women. So it makes you think, okay, and, and like they're servants of nature, but you also notice that like the witches get involved in like vampire politics and business. And they're always, and then Cat Graham's character, um, she's always helping out the white protagonist. Like, it's just like, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on, like, Mind you, she's the only, like, noticeable black girl in this town that, like, celebrates the Civil War and all this stuff. The vampires, and the two of the two vampire leads were Confederates, uh, Confederate soldiers. Like, oh, what? One of them was a Confederate soldier. What? Like, 
it's giving Jasper from Twilight vibes. Like you were a Confederate soldier. Like why are there so many Confederate like, soldiers? So so what? What? Somebody just did a video. Some oh my, my gosh! I essays. actually haven't watched that video. I did watch it, but I have. I don't remember. I can't remember. You know who I'm, who I'm talking yeah. about? She made a recent video about. She's like, why are so many vampires Confederates? That reminds me. I have to go watch that video. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. Jasper Damon Salvatore from the Vampire Diaries, and there was another guy. No, Bill. Yeah, Bill from True Blood. It really does beg the question: Why do y'all want these? Like, why? Just why? But um, yeah. So the Vampire Diaries. Yeah, it, it, there's so many. I'm gonna send you some video essays that go over all the problematic. Um, stuff on that show because they're actually pretty good. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I haven't watched that show. I don't know if I ever will will watch that show because my time for being obsessed with shows that go on for way too long is behind me now. We have a job. We can't be watching TV every day after work. It's just not, Ugh, babe. We can't do it. Anyways, um, yes. Another news. There was recently a documentary about um, Glee, or like, not former stars of Glee, but there was a three-part series on the Discovery Channel or app that kind of like covered um, the Death of Corey Monteith, and then Naya Rivera, Mark Sailing, Melissa Ben. Benoit? I, I don't know. I may have said the last name wrong. Really, it just looks like a really bad documentary where he's just trying to be like, oh, I watch Glee. I really like these. And then this happened. So he's trying to posit himself as like an investigator at some point or something. But all the reviews of this are bad. And it just reminds me that like, I hate it when people make these kind of documentaries where like there's no... I don't know why you're making this. It's not out of the goodness of your heart. That's all I know. You shouldn't have made this. Yeah. Is there any other yeah. entertainment? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, Tristan? Just real quick. Is so it- I was a, a really big fan of Glee. Um, I've, I heard about that documentary. And it's oops, Ryan Murphy. That's another white creator, white gay creator who I have issues with with how he treats people of color. Um, hmm. But like, I was curious about the documentary. She said it focuses on the Glee people who, um, the former cast members who've passed away. People who have passed away or the people who have gone through something very traumatic, trying to, I don't know. You know, there was like all that stuff about Leah Michelle in 2020 about, you know, her allegedly being racist and just being difficult to work with. Um, You know, Glee has its skeletons. Mm -hmm. So I might check it out just like I said, I was a fan of the show. Um, I'm just curious because, you know, and they, they've lost three other of the former stars, um, one to a drug overdose, one to a suicide and one to a drowning. So it's like it's like, dang, it's almost like a curse on that show. We're just and there was all this behind the scenes drama. So I, I, I'm going to check it out. And then there's also a, like a, a documentary, that, like, like a short documentary that came out on YouTube about it recently about the show and the drama. Um, so I'll probably check it out just because I'm curious. Yeah, I'm going to say that I'm not because really it's fine if you want to make a documentary about Glee and it is, it's true that this very popular show back was first aired in 2009. I remember because I watched the first episode of Glee, I was in middle school, the show, I loved it. It really did shape who I am and how much I love musical theater. However, it's a bit tabloidy. That's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel genuine. 
Of course, there's a lot of research behind it. It doesn't feel like a sincere look on these people's lives. It's more of like, look at this popular show and all these cast members suddenly and mysteriously live terrible lives and came to a fatal end. It's like, it's not out of the goodness of your heart you're making this. Ryan Murphy, I don't know why you're doing this. Chris Coffer, I don't know why you're involved think, in this, sir. Is Ryan Murphy involved? Because is he like is he producing? Oh, it is he is so okay. In my notes, I put him as writer, but I think that was for Glee, not him. Yeah, actually he's the being, creator. Yeah, he's the creator of Glee. Yes, I know that. I don't know why I wrote that down wrong on my notes. That's my bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm really going. I'm saying this because, like, if you were on Glee. And you were on that show the whole time. Like, Kevin McHale himself said that, like, he did not like the way that this was made, the docuseries, anything like that, and just called it trash, you know, and that it wasn't... I understand where it's coming from. Because if I was on the show for, like, how long was Glee on the air? Six? It was on the air for six years, yeah. Six, six years. If I was on a, sh- I was on a show for six years, and then so many people I used to work with made had met fatal tragic endings if somebody made a docuseries out of it where it was just kind of like exploitative i'd be so pissed too i would i would not be would not be okay with this yeah okay we need to move on i'm sorry i don't know why we're still talking about this let's go into the main topic of the uh podcast guys we are talking about the worst movies of 2022. This month. Well, it's not really going to be this month because I've that I've waited too long. Listen, this podcast is not coming out when I want it to come out, but that's okay. We're going to keep it moving. Listen, we are starting off the year with the best and worst of 2022. Starting with, right now we're doing worst movies. Yeah. So, Tristan and I... Wow, that was really bad. <laughs> you could tell him that this is so long. Oh my gosh. Why is this so bad, Tristan? I don't know. It was like, it was on track. I was like, we're doing so good. I was like, wait. I just thought we were Because you were like, yeah, so let's go into the... And I was like, it's so good. It went off the rails randomly. Okay. Worst movies of 2022. All right. I made a document. I put some notes on there. We can go. We don't have to go through them one by one. We don't have to go through them in order. Okay. But I will say this. I didn't watch a lot of movies in 2022. Your girl was working. So I didn't have time to watch a lot of movies. From what I saw, a lot of movies that came out this year were pretty good. Of course, there were some bad ones. And I was actually surprised when I looked at my list because I forgot that these movies came out this year. This year has felt so long to me. We started this year off thinking we were going to war. Like, babe. I kept saying last year, I was like, that Will Smith's, uh, Will Smith's Oh my gosh. I kept saying that was this year. Like, 2022 felt so ridiculously long. Out of pocket. You're right. Like, a lot of those movies, like, when I saw the, uh, when I saw this year, I put Firestarter on there. I was like, oh yeah, that was last year. I forgot that Morbius came out. Last year. That one too. I looked at that. I was like, that was 2022. I completely forgot about that movie. Like. It's crazy how wow. like that how that happens like that. That was genuinely like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start. Um, what? Let's look at the list right here. 
I think I'm going to start with the one that I really just want to get off my chest and just move past. And that's going to be Blonde. I remember when this movie first was announced, a lot of people were a bit excited for it. And it was, there was a lot of promotion behind this movie. First of all, Ana Armas, Ana de Armas is in the film. If you don't know what the film Blonde is, it was basically Netflix Netflix's first NC-17 movie. And it was a biopic on Marilyn Monroe who was a very well-known sex symbol, American sex symbol, actress, singer, back in the 50s, I believe, with the silver screen. Um, basically, people thought this was going to be a biopic. It was not a biopic. It's based off a book by Joyce Carol Oates. The, her book was not anything where like she had spoken to Marilyn. She met her. She did an interview of her. She took her own image of Marilyn in her mind of who she thought she was and then wrote a book about it and then they made a movie off that book. So it wouldn't be depicted as a biopic but it's still like based off parts of her life or the parts of life that the, the public knows but nothing that like Marilyn Monroe had told us herself. That's my That was my biggest issue with the film because biopics do feel that way to me. I don't really like biopics about a fan. I have two episodes about that in the last year, which you guys should go listen to on Anchor. But biopics don't feel like a genuine representation of the person that you loved and admired as a legend or an icon. It just feels like us on the outside looking in and then us taking that shared image to other people was not genuine. You know, like there have been so many documentaries I went to Houston, but no one knew that she was by, you know, until a homegirl came out and was like, hey, I knew Sissy very well, Sissy Houston. And I mean, biopics just lack, I can say, you guess you could say authenticity. Like they can only be so long. They can't put someone's entire life in. So things are exaggerated and changed for the screen. But... I don't like them as a medium to share people's stories or to reveal parts of people's lives because sometimes those things are inaccurate or sometimes it's just not good. Like if I want to watch a movie Mm -hmm. about someone I love and admire, I want it to be a good movie. Blonde is very beautiful. It's very aesthetically pleasing, but it's just images. Nothing more, no substance, nothing concrete. I didn't learn anything new about Marilyn Monroe that I couldn't have looked up on the internet or read in a tabloid or read in Joyce or Carol Oates' book. I didn't learn anything about her that wasn't like something private and that like like Harry and Meghan. That is something where we learn a lot about them. And it's not through the media's image of them or like blind items or anything like that. It's them. You get to see them as people. That's the thing. It's blonde is not good. It's bad. If you say that you like Blonde, I really am not going to take your opinion movie seriously. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think many people, like, I, I I didn't come across any good reviews of Blonde. I think everybody was just like, WTF. Like, what? what? It's just another way of us using her as some kind of sex symbol and not treating her as a person. Not treating her as someone who's there. Like... She lived this wonderful, amazing life, but Marilyn was so beholden to um, pleasing men in her life, the men that she married, pleasing the public, trying to like balance this image of femininity. And really, I just, of course, 
And the thing that sucks the most is that, like, there are so many people who, like, have a tattoo of Marilyn Monroe. They're like, no, I don't agree with her. I don't like her. But she is an image. She is an icon. Like, never truly only liking certain parts of her, but not liking her as a whole person, which she was. Mm. Just taking pieces of her. You know, it's not a true portrait of Marilyn. You don't really get to see who she is. That's why I really didn't like Blonde. I wanted to like it for Ana de Armas because she is a wonderful actress. She's a great actress. But babe, but what other things has she? What other things has she been in? She was in the new Blade Runner movie with Ryan Gosling. She was in Knives Out. I think that's where most people met her. She, she was the lead. Yeah, she She's was. Lead. Okay. Okay, yeah, that. okay, and she was also her. in a movie with Ben Affleck, and she was also pretending to date Ben Affleck in the um, and the during the pandemic in the very start of it. You didn't see that. You didn't see those mm-hmm. pictures of them walking dogs together getting coffee. Also, by yeah, the way, yeah, Ben yeah, Affleck yeah. is going to be in the Dunkin' Donuts commercial for the Super Bowl. Hmm. hmm. Isn't that interesting? Go ahead with what you're saying. Sorry. You know, I was just saying, I never make that connection that that was her. But yeah, I loved her in Knives Out. But like mm-hmm. I said, I haven't seen Blonde. But like I said, I just and I didn't check it out because people were just like, people did not like it. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, this is something for the general public who just want something to watch and don't want to think mm-hmm. any deeper into something that they're watching. Like with Dahmer. Never should have been made. Absolutely should not have been made. But the general public ate that up. So, you know. Who cares? Who lordy? Anyways, Tristan. the Golden Globes for that. Oh my gosh! But no, what were you gonna say? I don't want to. Let's not even. Let's not even go down. There. <laughs> don't freak that in. I also want to say, Evan Peters, please, please block Ryan Murphy's number. Please do it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what? When he wanted to go to Globe, somebody said on Twitter, they were like, yes, he can find... Because there, there was like this screenshot of like Ryan Murphy looking kind of nervous. Uh-huh. Like not nervous, but maybe like... You know, Ryan Murphy is a very stoic person. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times you see him at awards, he's like very like... You don't see him smiling or anything yeah. like that. Or he lo- It looks like he has like a permanent scowl yeah. or a frown. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was just his general look, but somebody screenshot them was like, oh, he's nervous now because now that Evan Peters has that Golden Globe, he's, he's going to stop answering Ryan Murphy's phone calls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know this right, Evan. Like, if this man stays having you in some kind of crazy role. But Evan Peters can play those roles pretty well, so it says something about him too. I really just want him to, like, do a rom-com, you know? Play a dad in a movie. Do something wholesome. Please, Evan. If you keep playing these deranged characters, I'm going to start to think there's something wrong with you. I'm just going to say that. That's funny because I'm like, can I see? At this point, I don't know if I can see him in a rom Oh my gosh. He would be the creepy dad. In a Nickelodeon film. Like a Disney film. He wouldn't be able to be in a rom-com because then all the people in the audience will have seen him from like American Horror Story. Yes. He needs a complete Aww. rebrand. Like we need to get this man some uh some indie drama yes. slash comedies. You know what he Evan Peters a, should start doing? He needs, he needs to start making music like the Wallows. Look at us being Evan Peters. <laughs> Evan he needs Peters. Some, like a nice. He needs him a nice little like A twenty four film. You know mm. something really. Yes. Something yes. Really, yes. He's some, a sleeper hit. Something mm-hmm. like that. Something that is strange and deranged and out of the box but it's art yeah, a24 films hey listen people who believe the a24 films all of them are perfect will eat evan peters up 
they'll eat him up. They'll eat him up and they'll spit him out. And when he gets to the rom-com, he's going to be a sellout. And then we got him. We got him! Listen, I we, this is how we save Evan Peters from Ryan Murphy's grasp. I yeah, we, we need to take this need, to his PR specialist, his publicist. I need him to become an e, uh, not an ER, uh, uh, Andy, like an Andy darling. We need him mm, to do with Indies in twenty twenty yes. three. He does look so like Michael. Listen, so Jesse Eisenberg, Michael Sarah, Evan Peters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it. So what's our next? What's our next um, worst film? I don't know, Tristan. You tell me a movie that you've seen this year that was absolutely terrible. What was the movie you've seen? See, uh, you some of these you have on some of these you have on uh, on the list like Babylon and Halloween mm-hmm. ends. I don't think well Halloween ends. We'll go there. I don't think it was. Ter- it wasn't. Oh, I'm so conflicted about that film because mm-hmm. I mean Halloween. Um, what was the second one that came out last year? No, the year before last year. Halloween, Halloween. Kills. Halloween Kills. I enjoyed Halloween Kills, and I enjoyed yeah. the, the 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 reboot Halloween 2018. I just didn't imagine it going in this direction. I yeah. didn't imagine Halloween ends playing out like that. I think yeah. what one thing that really frustrated me was that whole storyline with this new character Corey. They really set him up to take on the mantle of Meyer, Michael Myers. Like they really seem to be hinting at that so much so that there seemed to be a supernatural connection between mm-hmm. those two. Yeah. All for Michael Myers to just kill him. Spoilers, kill him at the climax of the film. So I'm like, so what was all this set? So what was the like, point? What, what like, literally, that Corey storyline, right. what was the point? Why are we here? Um, yeah, I feel like that was just such a waste. And then, like, his little romance with Allison. I thought that was interesting, especially because they seem to be setting them up to be, like, the new Laurie and the new... Um, the new Laurie and the new Michael Myers. It was giving Scream 4 and Scream yeah. 2022 vibes, like, the new generation. I'm like, I said, I feel like that could have been interesting, but then they just wasted They squandered all that when when michael myers killed Corey, yeah um and then you look at it michael myers wasn't really active until like the what last half of the film mm-hmm. last third of the film why would you waste my time why would why you waste, would you waste my, my time? time you're right mm-hmm. you know what's so funny so originally i had read something online and i feel like we're gonna get like an uncut version a deleted scenes version originally the ending was supposed to be allison fighting Corey. you know allison knocks him over the banister like oh no um laurie shoots him we think he's dead. Michael Myers comes into the house, takes the mask, and then we see the the fight play out between Laurie, Allison, and Michael. Mm-hmm. And then at the film was going to end with them taking Michael Myers by the way it did, and taking his body, crushing it. But we, they were going to flash back to the house, and Corey was going to be missing, and he Ooh. was going to walk into the night. So that was going to set up the idea that Corey is a new Michael Myers, and it fits because Laurie's last line towards in her last little line toward the movie. Or the reoccurring thing was evil doesn't die; it like transforms or something like that. Mm-hmm. So when you when you think about the fact that they cut out the whole thing with Corey becoming the new Michael Myers, it's like that mantra keeps repeating itself: evil doesn't die. And it's like, well, until it does, huh? Because mm-hmm. Michael Myers, he does get killed. It's like that would have meant more had Corey become the new Michael Myers. So I was like, I, that's why I think that rumor about that being the original ending makes sense because they definitely narrative wise they set that up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know so, why they would abandon it, though. I don't know why they wouldn't just, like... Like, studios love remakes. Studios love sequels. Like, sequels why would you scrap that? Yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like if I feel like I that kind of would have redeemed the film. Like, oh, okay, this is what this was all leading to because and it was clear that they were leading to that. Like, it's like they got towards that and kind of wimped out. Just like with the original ending for Scream Four was supposed to be. I don't know if you've ever seen the. Have you ever seen the fourth Scream film? I remember seeing the one with Omar Epps and Jada Pickett Smith, but that was the second one. Yeah. Okay. This was the one with um, uh, Emma Roberts. Okay. It was like mostly known for like her Nickelodeon stuff at that point. But the whole, because the whole idea was that was supposed to be remixed. So Sydney, you know, Nev Campbell's character, Sydney Prescott, had been the main character throughout the first three films. The mm-hmm. fourth one dealt with remakes, and so Jill and her friends were supposed to be like updated versions of Sydney and her friends from the first one. Mm-hmm. And the original ending for that was supposed to be Jill, because Jill was one of the killers. She's supposed to, get, she was supposed to get away with it. And the next film was supposed, to, she was going to be our new heroine carrying into the next film. But then the studio got worried because they were like. They weren't sure how audience were going to react to having a villain as the main character. So you see them set it up and then wimp out, and then at the end of the film, her you know Sydney kills her. And it's like I hate when they don't. I say all that to say I hate when they introduce these these new ideas that mm-hmm. are very interesting mm-hmm. that will lead to interesting for, you know future installments, and then yeah. they wimp. You, like you see them wimp out. You see them like kind of go for it, and then say, "Oh, never mind." And yeah. I feel like that's what they did with Halloween. Yeah, you're right, because, like, I hate when studios do that. It's like you're stifling creativity. You just want to exactly. stick to something that makes, something that's easy, something exactly. that just, like, cuts it off. They're like, you know what, we just needed three movies. We don't need to make any more. We've made enough money off of these. Like, let's end this here. Like, all these themes that they keep repeating in these shows and them just cutting them short is lazy. You know, like, put in the effort. Make a, you know, TV take a show chance. after I mean, it. Like, yeah. I think for me, like, just take a chance. Like, try, try something, something new. Different. Yeah. Like, again, I feel like they really could have done that. Like, just leave it open. Like, okay, Michael Myers is dead. You wrapped up Laurie's storyline in this new trilogy. Okay, this kid you've been setting up to be the new Michael Myers. Yeah, leave it ambiguous as to if mm-hmm. he's really dead or not. Yeah. If you, come, if you come back and make another film, okay, cool. If you don't, okay. Again, yeah. just take a chance. Take mm-hmm. a chance. So yeah, and that one, like, like you going back to what you said, I felt like, why would they waste my time like this? Mm-hmm. So Halloween ends. I definitely didn't like it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take the next one? That film that I've really gotten <laughs> upset. I didn't. I messed around and got mad thinking about that. They really mm-hmm. played in our faces. Yeah, it's really annoying when you're you see something that's about to come out. And you're excited for it. You're kind of anticipating something good. And it turns out that it's bad. Like me, when I heard that there's going to be a new Texas uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, I was kind of like, okay, sure. And then I started watching it and it just got too gross and too bloody and not interesting enough. You know, it was just kind of like, there's a lot going, there's some things going on and I'm interested and I'm intrigued and I'm watching it. I'm going to finish it. But I kind of don't want to because I don't, like, like the worst kind of horror movies are horror movies that are bad, but they think the killing and excessive violence will make up for how bad it is. It's not. It's not going to make a difference. Your movie is trash. I'm telling your mom. I don't know what you want me to say. It's bad. You wasted my time. Why am I here watching this thing too long? Characters are not interesting enough. You have a couple in here with no chemistry again. And, and this random guy just killing people. Also, 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 
also, there are three twist endings in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like a girl falls and like the bad guy grabs her and pulls her back and they're on the bus and the bad guy who isn't dead, but he was dead. I don't really remember. It's been a while since I watched the movie, but I'm telling you right now. Oh my gosh. Y'all, it's on Netflix. Don't even waste your time. And I was going to watch it for Jacob Lattimore mostly because I did have a crush on him when I was younger. We're not going to get into it, but I did. So seeing him in movies makes me happy, but he just wasn't good. I'm sorry, Jacob. I'm sorry. I know you try your best. But even like House Party. I'm sorry, what you say? House Party? Have you seen House Party? It just came out like recently. Oh no, I have it. I want to see it. I'm only watching it for Kid Cudi. Yeah, <laughs> I, and my thing is, I'm curious because like this is, you know, it's for my, it, it has the name of the original House Party with Kid and Play, but obviously it's very different. Mm-hmm. You can take it into a, a different direction. So I, I'm just curious, just out of curiosity, and because I like the originals, I really want to see what they do in this one. Yeah, I know it's not going to be great, but what was I talking about again? Um, you're Texas... talking about the Texas Chainsaw. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Listen, your horror movies have to be good. They have to be good. Like it doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be art. It doesn't have to be like Midsummer or Hereditary. Ari Aster, like, I know he's coming up with a new movie soon, right? Who? Ari Aster? Ari Aster? Yeah, Midsummer and Hereditary! The two movies I just said! Tristan, are you listening to me right now? <laughs> I'm listening. No, I, but, so, if, if, I don't know, if I don't know who he is and what films he's made, it wouldn't matter what films you just said, because I don't know who he is. You don't know! <laughs> Wait, and you, and you, and clearly you know who he is, but you don't know that he's coming out with another movie. <laughs> Sorry, Midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah, I've seen Midsummer. Well, I, no, actually, I didn't finish watching Midsummer. But I mean, there are people who watch <laughs> the director. Hereditary. <laughs> yes, I did watch Hereditary because I like the lead actress, um, Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Uh, yeah. Oh, Tony I love Coletti. her. She's Tony everything. Coletti. Yeah. Muriel's Wedding, which is like a romantic comedy she did back in the 90s. That is one of my favorite films of all time. Okay. I'm just gonna, we're just gonna move on because I keep losing the subject of what I was just talking about. Um, we can just go over the next movie. I didn't even say the next movie. I just started talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and trying to make a point. But anyways, the next one I want to talk about is Babylon. The fact that I actually went... I think this movie this movie is bad okay it's bad it's very pretty there's a lot going on it's interesting you'll watch it but it is so long and not even like long in the way that like wakanda forever and like avatar were long like those movies were long but i could sit through them i could watch them and i was interested i didn't care that they were three hours i was i was good but mm-hmm. babylon is long in the way where it's like oh it's been an hour and y'all doing this? Huh? Like, also, by the way, we need to stop talking about Brad Pitt. That man punched his wife in the face. I, please just look at Brad Pitt and allegations. Y'all need to stop fawning over this white man. The fact that he and Johnny Depp have the same PR team is what really pisses me off. But Brad, even though I don't like Brad Pitt, he is a very good actor. He is. It's just a like... So many people in the movie are good actors, but it's not a great script. 
and it does not matter how hard you give it give your it doesn't matter how hard you try it doesn't make up for the fact that the words you're saying are not like okay let me go into like my criticisms of babylon because i wrote them down because i don't want to be babbling forever okay babylon is directed by um damien chazelle he also directed whiplash la la land and first man just to name a few and this movie is um basically a look at hollywood in the 20s and 30s from the transition of black and white to the talkies and three people are at role are characters in this movie there is nelly who is played by monty torres who is a mexican um immigrant who goes from being a fixer to an executive there's jack conrad played by brad pitt who is the archetype of the movie you know he's rich he directs he does it all um, I think it's a, a studio exec, actually. I don't really remember. But, um... <clears throat> oh, Manny is the Mexican immigrant. And Nelly is, um... Margot Robbie. And Nelly loves acting. She loves acting. And, yeah, those are the three characters of the movie. Um, this movie is super self-indulgent. Um, okay. Here's the thing, right? This movie is a little bit like La La Land, where La La Land was a story about a couple who wanted to make it big in Hollywood, and one of them didn't, and then one of them did, and their two lives kind of changed with that path. It's kind of a spoiler. That's my bad. It's a very sweet love story. I see why people liked it. I kind of didn't like the movie, but that's besides the point. And then Babylon is a movie about Hollywood in the times of excess and where people were wild and crazy and having fun. But it also shows like the dark side of Hollywood and the movie does this thing where it tries to show you the excess and the glory and the fame and the decadence and all these other things that come with being famous and rich in Hollywood. But also it shows like the dark side and the terrible things and how like you can go from being beloved and a starlet to being tossed inside the road. You could be a great studio exec, but if you don't get with the times, you're tossed away and you could be this new up and coming person an immigrant in this cut in this uh town and then you become an executive but you're not any better of a person than you were the day before and overall this film is just trying to like like is it is it like are you saying the hedonism the hedonism of hollywood is bad are you saying that like what are you trying to say this movie man like, what is it? Like, this is an interesting web of characters, but overall, it's just not, like, it's an interesting movie. It is. It's a very good movie. Very beautiful. Beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns. I don't know what he's trying to say with the movie. It just felt like a lot of nothing. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. Like, I don't really know what his stance was. Um, it, you know, it definitely is sort of, like, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out if it was like a love letter. I feel like it was a love letter to films. A love letter to cinema. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm like, is it a love letter to... But then I was like, okay, is it also a love letter to like the decadence and ridiculous? Is this parodying the decadence and ridiculous of Hollywood? Um, I really love old Hollywood, like especially old Hollywood true crime. So like I went into this film... Like looking forward to it, and I and I did love that aspect of it, mm -hmm. especially because there's a um, at the beginning of the film they're at that huge party, and there's that fat guy who's in the room with that girl who's um, 
that he's killed or drugged or something. Mm-hmm. Like that's the actual reference to Fatty Arbuckle, who was like mm-hmm. this big star who killed this young actress um, and was sentenced to jail for it. So like, like little references like that, I'm like, oh, that's a reference to that true crime story and stuff like that. Like things like that, I appreciate it. But yeah, I, you don't really know. It's like, what is his stance on this? Again, is he parroting the decadence of that that age of Hollywood? Um, is, he, is, he, is it a love letter to it? Like, and there were also things like so, like some of the storylines, like the um, the black musician. I'm forgetting his name. Mm-hmm. His storyline was so far removed from all the other things that were going on. Like, yeah. they just, you really didn't feature him enough. To the point where I was like, okay, you really could have cut his story out because. Yeah. It's like every time we see him, it's like okay, it's like the beginning of his career. Then we get back to him, and it's like the it's the middle of his career, and then we get back to him, and it's the end. But we're not seeing that stuff in the middle. Whereas with the other characters, we are seeing that stuff in the middle. We see how they're not um, interacting Manny's, with each other really. And with Manny, like we see how Manny starts out mm-hmm. as what like an assistant, and then goes to becoming a, a producer. And we see his fall from grace with. Um, the female with uh, what was her name? Nelly. We see her like she starts out as an aspiring actress. We see her reach her heights, then we see her fall from grace. Um, with Johnny, no, no, no. With um, Brad Pitt's character, when we meet him, he's he's already a star. But I guess we kind of see just kind of the up and down of his career. Like I feel like with everybody else, we got a full story. So with the the musician, I was like, okay, what's what was really the point? So I feel like that could have trimmed some of them. But like there was a lot. Let me, I can say it that way. There was a lot about this film that could have been trimmed out because it ultimately didn't really add anything and just kind of muddled the story. Yeah, you're right. It does. It was very like you said, very beautiful. Like that opening scene, that party was so ridiculous, but it was yeah. so vibrant and it was so vibrant. I loved that, but. You see how horribly it did, though. Like it was, it it flopped at the box office, and it was and so much money went into that film. And mm-hmm. you can see it. You can again, you can see where that the set pieces and the designs and all this stuff. You can see where the money went. It's mm-hmm. like sad that y'all won't even earn half of that back. Like yikes. Yikes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, overall, I. I just like I just I wish I hadn't seen that movie. I kind of wish I hadn't seen it at the end of it all. You know, I do agree with your um, take on it and your criticism to it. Um, and also, Margot Robbie, she's amazing at everything she does. Yes. So it's kind of like that helped it, but it didn't help it that much. Sorry. Baby. It couldn't save it. It, it couldn't, couldn't save, save it. it. You know what's so funny, and and you remember that was this one part where Samara Weaving comes in as like a um, a rival actress to Nelly. It's so funny because my first thought people are always talking about how much those two look alike. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I saw Samara Weaving show up, I was like, stop putting. I was like, don't put these ladies near each other because I can't tell the difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lo- so I feel like the the filmmakers intentionally like made. Um, Samara Weaving's hair dark in this one and like she had a whole different feel and uh, you know she was only in the film for a small part but I thought that was mm-hmm. so funny I was like they had they know they had to do that because those two look so much alike yeah um, but I did, I did appreciate like there's so little things like that like I appreciate those little cameos I feel like again because people say they look so much like I feel like that was a, like a little wink to the audience like we know we know this is why we make them look so different mm-hmm. um and I feel like the the actor who played um Manny I feel like that he's a talented actor yeah. Kind of going back to what you said, Margot Robbie's, um, her talent couldn't really save this. Even the guy who plays Manny, even Brad Pitt, like their charisma and their talent 
It's like, yeah, it was great, but this film was still all over the place. It Couldn't was. Save it. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, what is a movie that you want to talk about? Or a movie you hate? I don't know. It doesn't have to be on the Sorry. This is to be the list. Okay, I'm trying to think. Like, I do want to talk about Morbius because, and, I, and somebody put it perfectly for me. They were like, if that was made in 2005, mm-hmm. and I would say it had been made in 2001, like around the time of the first Spider Man movie, mm-hmm. it would have been a hit. I think for like the 2000s, that, <laughs> we, that movie was good. So, yeah, for 2022, I still, I, 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 won't, I won't lie, I still. Kind of enjoyed Morbius. It had its issue. I mean, you see that it actually came back to theaters. Like people, but I think it was more of a joke type thing. Like people kept tweeting about it Tristan, in the theater, and the studio took that. Tristan, don't do like, this. I don't actually, this. it was, it was, it wasn't great. Don't but say like, this. I just don't. It do wasn't this great. No, I still enjoyed watching that. Tristan, why? I'm, I hey. Hey, it's not. It wasn't the best. It was. It's. It's no everything, everywhere, all at once. I'll it's admit. not good. It's no the whale. It's no uh, the banshees of Inna Sharon or the menu. Wait, no, it's not. Wait. It's not those high art. It's not that high. Those high art cinema. <laughs> but like it. It was fun. I, it, Morbius was fun. Morbius isn't that um, the one with the vampire? Why was this movie a thing? Like I know, you know that, he's, I know he's a popular they, character. I know that they, they cast Jared Leto in this movie a long time ago, before we learned that he was, you know, a terrible person. But like, did this still need to happen? I went in for Jared Leto and for um, Matt Smith. You like Matt Smith? Yes, I'm a fan of Doctor Who. Like, uh, yeah. You like yeah. Matt Smith as a doctor? Oh. I'm talking about, and I, and I have the audacity to bring up Doctor Who first. Let's not talk about. Let's. I didn't even mention the most popular show of last year, House of the Dragon. He was. He's amazing on that show. But yes, I like him as the Doctor too. He, he's not. He's not beating. He's not touching David Tennant. David Tennant is still like my number one. But like, yeah, Matt Smith. I don't. I feel like he wasn't horrible, and he did amazing on House of the Dragon. So. You like Matt Smith as an actor? I feel like yes. I can't trust Matt Smith. I feel like the more I see him in things, the more I just don't. He looks too much like Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, and we all know they about do, him. They do I, favor each other a little bit, a I, little bit though, because Matt a little head bit. Shape is just, his, yeah, because his head shape is just so different from. I know from, that the, his head shape is square. The other guy is oval, but that doesn't matter. I don't trust either just, of them, and I think maybe around the eyes they look alike, possibly. I'm, I'm trying be to honest, see that resemblance. Also. Benedict Cumberbatch, even though I like him as Doctor Strange, and all his other movies, he plays the same kind of character. Like, it's just, oh my gosh. And I don't know why I don't like Matt Smith. I also did not like Matt Smith as a doctor. He just wasn't my guy. Like, I prefer Peter mm-hmm. Capaldi over him. Like, I just couldn't Is get it- into it. Like, the pawns, I liked Amy, and I liked Rory. But sometimes Matt Smith, especially with, like, Ca- Clara... That season, I just didn't really 
I mean, I watched it, obviously, but I don't think it was, like, my favorite, really. Like, that's when I was watching Doctor Who, and I was like, I'm going to fall off this for a little bit, and then come back to it and see if I like it, you know? Even some parts of Peter Capaldi's season I didn't like, but, you know, that's for another day. I'm sorry. No, no. I didn't watch... See, I feel, yeah, I fell out around the... I fell off around the Peter Capaldi, like, toward the end of the Matt Smith era and going to Peter Capaldi. I think I only watched, like, a few episodes of the, of the Peter Capaldi era. I haven't watched any of the Jody Smith... I do want to see it because old boy from Sex Education is going to be on there. He's going to be the first black. Oh my doctor. gosh, I can't wait to see that. I do want to see him because I like I love him on um, Sex Education. So I'm like, Same. of course, I have to I have to come back to Doctor Who to watch mm-hmm. him. Also, Morbius is just super ugly. Like the way he turned into like the vampire is like very ugly. And I know that like I know I know that. Superheroes do not have to be super sexy and hot. But right. he's could supposed he not, to be ugly. He can he he's not supposed look, to be ugly. I'm sorry. He didn't have to be that horribly looking. Also, the CGI was not good. Yeah, that CGI needed a lot. Like I said, that's what I said. It's, it was two thousand. It was given two thousands. It was given like Spider Man, Tobey Maguire. Which that movie was actually pretty good. That the special effects in the movie was pretty good for the time. That's why I said, had this movie come out in the 2000s, it, we would have loved it. Mm-hmm. That's what those special effects were giving. It was giving, definitely giving the 2000s era. Um, but, uh, yeah, the special effects weren't that great. Yeah. And I was going to say, with Morbius, have you never seen the Morbius? Because like, the reason I'm familiar with that character is from the 90s Spider-Man um, series. So I, he's ugly on there. So I was, I was just like, okay, yeah. I just I always assumed the character was ugly. Um, so I liked his design in the film because it was terrifying. Like he wasn't, he's not supposed to be attractive at all. He's supposed to frighten you. But one thing I don't like about Morbius though is that ending was a little perplexing to me. Mm-hmm. That, that he doesn't go check on his girlfriend's body or anything, and that she comes back to life, and he just doesn't realize it. I was like, okay, that seems a little dumb, but yeah. Morbius is also one of those movies where I saw the trailer and I was like, I'm not going to see this. Don't bother wasting my time with this. Like, I'm sorry, it's not for me. But I understand the reason why you like Morbius, even though I am vehemently against it. And the reason why you like it, same why, same reason why I love Venom, is because even though you may think this movie is bad, and I understand your merits to say that it's bad, this is my movie, bitch. I like it. You don't? Who cares? I didn't ask for your opinion. I just told you I liked the movie. Shut up. Right. Like, we, we I get all like I, some horrible movies. Yeah. Yeah, we like, all like X-Men 3. I loved X-Men 3, The Last Stand. I remember seeing The Last Stand. I saw The Last Stand three times in theaters when I was in high school. Or maybe I was in middle school. But yeah, I remember we went and saw it and then there were two more times we were supposed to go see some other films and we lied to my grandmother and we told her we were going to go see... Oh my gosh! One of those times, me and my sister and her friend, we were supposed to go see Hoodwinked, which is actually, that first one is a really good movie. Yeah, it is. But we were supposed to go see Hoodwinked and we went and saw The Last Sand again and then we went the third time and went and saw it again. But like, that movie's terrible. Like, watching that now, I'm like, wow, this that sucked. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, we always have, we all have those cheesy movies that we just hold close to our heart. Or just horrible movies that we hold close to our hearts. So I think Morbius is definitely going to be one of those for me going forward. Yeah, I get that. I understand. Um, yeah, I mean, there have been a couple of pretty bad movies that have come out this year. Um, well, not this year, last year. And there are a lot of movies that I will die defending. Like Eternals. Listen, the movie was good. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care how you feel. I liked Eternals. 
maybe it should have been a mini series, but we will never know. And See? also, and I I agree with that. Or I feel like it should have been. I feel like the the what the uh, like all the plot that we got that should have been two films. Mm-hmm. Also, I saw I Amsterdam like... that was gonna. Um, that movie came out last year, and it's also one of those movies where Margot Robbie is in it, but you know it's going to be bad. But maybe you'll see it for Margot Robbie. And I did not see Amsterdam because I don't understand how all these really good actors were in the movie that was this bad, and also poorly edited, weirdly shot, and directed by someone who is a terrible person, like incredibly abusive and just an awful person. Like, who, why is who, movie... Who directed hmm? it? Who Let me look it up. Who directed Amsterdam? David O. Russell. Okay. So you said he was a horrible person, right? I, just, I I wasn't familiar with what like what he's done, like like contra, you know, like abusive things that he's done. So he's been known to be pretty combative. He had he notably slapped Lily Tomlin on set on uh, during oh, while filming I heard I heart Huckabees. Um Yikes, what the Yeah, and he also like got into set arguments with um Tomlin as well. And there were videos put on YouTube and you know many people try to defend him and say like he's a good director, so like him being abusive, blah blah blah, whatever isn't like doesn't matter as much. Actually, Mike Berbiglia, he's a stand-up comic. He did a whole joke about it in one of his um, stand-up specials. I'll try and find the video. I send it to you. But overall, he was just not a great. Per- he's not a good person. Like he also directed um, American Hustler, and Amy Adams, who was in the movie, said that he was not great, and that Christian Bale had to intervene because he would grab people by the collar, curse them out, and he like was being incredibly abusive to Amy Adams on that set. And Christian Bale had to be like, you step off and you stop doing that. Like, it's not. Okay. I do. Okay. See, okay. Now that you mentioned American Hustle, I do remember hearing that controversy about the American Hustle director. So, okay. So now it's, it's connecting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, overall, he's just not a great guy and him directing Amsterdam and it being terrible is, you know, it's what you deserve. You trash, trash man. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't be directing movies at all, huh? Okay. Yeah, don't get any of your money back. Also, oh my gosh, I saw this, um, I need to stop reading blind items. Like, I told myself I'd stop reading blind items and I would stop getting into gossip, but I heard this rumor on TikTok and I'm going to share it with you because I think it's true. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So, Taylor Swift is in Amsterdam. David Russell is directing, directed Amsterdam. And everyone was like, why is she in this movie? Why is she acting in this film? She hasn't been in a movie since Valentine's Day. And as we know, Taylor Swift is trying to be a director. She directed the 15-minute short film of All Too Well, which I did not watch because I wasn't... I liked Taylor Swift when I was in middle school. I have grown out of it. I have moved on. Some of y'all need to do so as well. That's all I'm saying. Spotify is not therapy. Anyways, Taylor Swift wants to be recognized as a director, as a serious director. So what does she do? She cozies up with David O. Russell. David O. Russell knows people that are Oscar voters. And he knows people that put uh, certain films 
a certain list for the Oscars and she wants to be a contender for best short film at the Oscars. David Russell knows those people. So what does she decide to do? Be in his movie, make friends with him, play nice. That way she can get the connections she needs to be nominated for an Oscar and be taken seriously as a director. And if you want to be a director, Taylor, that's fine, but maybe we can find different ways to get what we want. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And this there this may not be true cuz I don't know them people, but when the facts are the facts like look it up. That's all I got to say. All right? Just People do this all the time in Hollywood. Like it's not like, you know, nothing new. You cozy up with somebody who is a terrible human being, but they have connections that you need so you can, you know, move up in your career. Mhm. Yeah. And Taylor, she when she showed up in Amsterdam, I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. Right. She wasn't in it. She wasn't. Oh, did you see it? I did not see it. I've seen clips of it online. Like, there's one okay. clip online. She wasn't where, in like, it. Did she get hit no. by a car in that movie? Yeah, she gets run over. It's, it's very kind of. It's kind of graphic. I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's kind of. She kind of is part of the inciting incident that kind of propels the story forward. So yeah, she isn't in there a lot. But I was surprised. I was like, oh, I did not know T Swift was in this movie. She gets and I said, and y'all, I, I called her T-Swift, but I'm not a fan of Taylor Swift. It's not because I don't think her music is good or anything like that. I'm just not a huge fan of hers. Although she does have some, uh, Taylor got some songs that she I, does. I listen to. She does. She does. She's a good wrong. songwriter. Got, I'm not going to take that away from her. Um, that's so funny. Like, you're in a movie just to get run over? Really, Taylor? Girl, we're better than this. I know you got a lot of Grammys, but come on. I, I probably would have said no to that. I probably would have said no, but you know. Anything for the plot, I guess. Also, 365, no more movies. No more. No more. I can't do it. Watching those movies made me truly think, Netflix? Y'all are so unserious. The way you cancel so many movies and so many shows all the time. But you kept this going? Also, if you've ever watched 365, oh my gosh. The romance is terrible. Um, the plot, sometimes the story is just bad. It's just bad. This girl has died twice in these movies. And also, the music of the show is so loud. There's always so much music at every step of the way. And it's not even worth it. Like, it's like worse Fifty Shades of Grey. And it is worse. Because the first movie is Stockholm Syndrome. Like, why are we doing this? Those Fifty Shades, people were eating those up. I... Christ. Oh my gosh, like, I tried to watch the first one, and then I was like, you know what, I'm good, I'm off this. Take this off my recommended Netflix, don't even try and push any more movies or anything near me that is anything close to this. I'm o- I'm o- I'm done. Because I really was just like, I was so curious, I was just like, let me just look at it. Let me just look at it. I don't know why I was in like, such a silly, goofy mood watching something that I knew I was going to hate, and I just didn't like it, like... Mm-mm-mm. it's bad like you read the script you see what we're going to do today and you don't take the second to be like this is bad maybe not maybe we just don't do this maybe we just sit here and realize that, like we have too much money we have too much money for this i mean seriously this needs to go somewhere else and also in the second movie there was a new guy introduced and also, this whole movie feels like a long-ass music video. Like, I don't know why we're here again. 
Remind me which one. Wait, what which one was it? talking about Fifty Shades? Sorry? No, we. We know you moved on from Fifty Shades. What 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 are you saying? What I'm sorry. What feels like a long video music video? Three six five. Okay. Yes. I also didn't really like Fifty Shades of Grey. Like Dakota Johnson, go off, I guess. But like, Fifty Shades. Man, what? Also, why yeah, was Rita Ora in the last movie? We don't like her over here. Hello? Okay, I'm done. So, okay, so Amsterdam, we talked about Morbius. We talked about... So Moonfall, did you see Moonfall? I didn't see that one. I saw the um, trailer for it on TikTok. And I was just kind of like, hmm, now this is bad. You put it on the... You haven't seen the movie, but you put it on the horror. I thought you watched it. I just like listen. Do you have? Do you know any movies that you've seen in twenty twenty two where you were like, "This is terrible. This is awful. I hate this." Because if you do, say it now. Last year, okay. So I'm I'm really trying to think like what movies did I just diss. Like, like, what movies? Okay, well, because <laughs> I actually got some hate mail for this for the first time ever. Tyler Perry's A Jazz Man's Blues. Jesus oh Christ. Oh my gosh, he's back? He's back film. from the dead? He came out with the film called, you know, he had his shows last year too, of course, but the, the next was Netflix film, A Jazz Man Blues. I gave that film a horrible Wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't Medea come in? Wasn't Medea in that movie? No, no, that was something. No, no, it wasn't. That was a different Medea. He, the fact that he said he's gonna retire Medea and then didn't retire Medea, it's like, sir, you are a billionaire. Hang it up. Yeah, Jasmine's blues. I, that was horrible. Like just the writing. He has good ideas. It's just the writing was horrible. And then like he doesn't. He makes the same old choices. Like. And I'm just like, it's just so, it is so funny because a part of the film, you know, it starts out in the South. Mm-hmm. There's this girl who's white passing, um, whose parents speared her away to the North and she marries this white guy, but she fell in love with this guy named Bayou. Again, this guy named Bayou. I'm like, that name is just bothering me. Um, and then her name, her nickname was Bucket. I forgot why that, because because she was found in a bucket. So everybody called her Bucket. I mean, just horrible. <laughs> they called her Bucket because she was found in a, but anyway. So, like, it was so convoluted. Like, she moves to the north, and then she comes back. She's marrying a white man who believes she's a white woman because she can pass. Her and her mother can pass for white. Um, but then Bayou eventually went to the north. He became this musical act because his father and brother left to, to go to Chicago, and then he eventually goes to Chicago because he has to because uh, he almost gets killed for messing around with this woman. And then, like, it was just... It was... he Like... I was in my review. I was talking about different things Tyler Perry could have done to make it to really make the story different. I think you know, instead of her coming back to the South, what if Bayou went to the the North, met her, um, and because she's passing as a white woman, even though they're up north, we're supposed to be more acceptable for interrelationship, interracial relationships, or more progressive or whatever. But if they find out, no, people are just as racist and just as, like, he, instead of going for the obvious choice of setting it in the South, where we know it, there was racism, like, what if, you know, so what if he did something a little different, but showed that, hey, it's still going to have the same outcome as if it was set in the South, because people were racist. Um, I'm like, just, 
Just little things like that where he could actually set himself apart and do something fresh and new. But he always goes for the obvious storytelling choices. There's no nuance. There's no depth. And in a very perplexing move. So this woman is biracial. Her mom's biracial. Mm-hmm. It's, it's obvious. But again, you know, the film is saying they can pass for white. So at the end of this film, we see this woman. She's elderly. He cast a white actress. Instead of just casting a light-skinned elderly actress and just saying that, yeah, she's you know, it's the same. She, he actually cast an elderly white woman. So I was like, sir, <laughs> why would you do that? Like, why would you do that? This woman was obviously biracial. Oh, Tyler. But then, but then you want to get believable at the end by casting a white uh, older older actress to portray her in her elderly years. I'm like, like again, just perplexing stuff like that. I'm like, why would Tyler? Tyler, what are we doing Horrible here? Directing. Horrible writing. The actors were so so. Like he he found some newcomers, and like with both actors, I, the leads, I feel like on a better project with a better director with better writing, they can probably do a lot more. But. Oh my god, that film was like that was the worst film. Like that was my first review because usually when I write reviews, I'll try to find something positive about a film and really praise it. Mm-hmm. With that one, I was like, no, this is a five out of ten. It was horrible. I can't do this. And somebody emailed me just going off on me <laughs> about it. It was. I got my first bit of hate mail. Oh about my that gosh, review. Tyler Perry fans are brutal. Yes, they were. They were going in on me, and then so on our website, Geek Five Nation. They'll have like the critics rating, and then below that you'll have where the audience can do their reviews. Fifty people, because they'll show you how many people do the vote for mm-hmm. the, um, the audience reviews. Fifty people came in there and got that film up to a ten. Like when I had it had it at a five. The audience review was for a ten. They were like, "No, nah, bro, you, you ain't gonna, you're not gonna disrespect Tyler like that." I'm like, "Yikes, y'all! Like, it's just a movie. Dang. A horrible movie." But yeah, that like that was the worst, my worst film in twenty twenty two. Tyler Perry has too much money not to be high. He doesn't want to hire writers, and that's ridiculous. He has too and much I, money to make these terrible movies. Yeah. And case in point, okay, so like for example, that show Sisters. Tyler Perry. Okay, so you're writing about a group of millennial women. Hmm. You are not a millennial, sir, nor are you a woman. Why wouldn't you want to bring in at least a few? millennial black female writers to kind of make sure your perspective is you know genuine and, and, and you know and obviously that age group would be able to write about that that's their truth mm-hmm. so why wouldn't you but that's, that's that shows you how full of himself he is when he as a 50 something year old man thinks that he could write about the modern 30 year old black female professional you don't think it might be might behoove you to actually bring in some young black female writers who are literally living the stuff that you write about and I bring that up because there's all this stuff about, especially in the book world, about like, like own voices and people writing um, their genuine experiences. Like, mm-hmm. you have a you'll, you'll have a white writer who writes a, who writes about a black kid in the hood and is, becomes a bestseller, mm-hmm. but then you have a black person writing that same story, and it's like crickets. And so it's like, so if we're going to talk about people writing, uh, you know, people being held accountable. Um, and just even in the world, you know, of TV and film, like right writers getting to write these diverse characters and getting it wrong and making it stereotyped. I mean, we need to hold black writers to the. We need to hold them just as accountable. Like again, a fifty-year-old man needs to bring needs needs to have that that authentic perspective in his writers' room. 
it, it's not even about man. Uh, just it's not even not, not just about him being a man and him writing female characters because he has to show bros. That's about thirty year old uh, young black men. Like Tyler, you're in your fifties. Yeah. The, the challenges you faced are different. Mm-hmm. The challenges that young people are facing today is different. So. I have a lot of issues with Tyler Perry. That's that's my trigger right there. I'll go. I'll spiral and go down a rabbit hole talking about that. But yeah, he has too much money to be making those horrible films. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say this right now. I actually did not know that Tyler made like I didn't see this movie. Like it wasn't on my radar. Like I knew about the one movie he made. The next, the other Medea movie. The movie he made that was actually like with Medea in it, and that was annoying. But I didn't watch that movie. I didn't know that he made a movie called Jazz and Blues. Um, mm-hmm. looking over it right now, it looks like, it looks like an everyday biopic you wouldn't be able to tell it is, but I, I completely like, um, listening to your review, I understand, and I feel like if I watched that movie, I would definitely agree with you, because Tyler shouldn't be writing all of his stuff. He has so many things that he has made in the past year, so many shows. If you are pouring so much into so many different cups... They're all just going to be terrible. Like, they're not going to be good. That's just that. Like, you trying to write 10 TV shows by yourself, it's not going to be the best. It's going to be bad. Also, that show, Bruh, I saw an article about it a while ago where, like, they filmed that whole first season in a week. And that just shows like time and true effort into the things that he makes, which is why they're all kind of bad. You know, I don't, yeah. I, can't, I don't know if it, this is the same for the older films he's made, but, like, him filming Acrimony in nine days, I will never get over that. And the fact that, like, he has worked with Taraji twice. Like, Taraji, girl, you need to let that man go. You need to stop mm-hmm. answering his calls. Please. Please. The fact that, stop the it. Fact that, the fact that he's, um, like, that movie, A Fall From Grace, which is, like, his, which was oh, his first Netflix. Oh, my Gosh. He made that. In five, he bragged about making that in five days. I'm like, sir, what you failed to realize is that if you made that in five days and that film was amazing, that would have been the ultimate flex. Just oh like, my gosh. just like back in 2020 or was it 2021 when he was bragging about, look at all these scripts. This is work ethic. But it's like all your shows are terrible. Yes, it's not impressive. Yes, that's not when it's horrible. That's not a flex. The like, eighth oh, storyline from Temptation. Oh, she got AIDS. At the end of it, you, she finally gets a pussy. Stay, yeah, if you if you don't stay with your Christian husband, oh my you go gosh. out there and be a slut. You're gonna get AIDS. And he <laughs> was boring nothing. too. He wasn't even interesting. Like Lance Gross plays her husband, and Lance Gross is very sexy, like very handsome man. But like he wasn't a great husband. He was boring. He didn't give her exactly. attention. He didn't listen to her. And suddenly he moves on with a a wife and a son which is great but his new wife is bored in her relationship too she's bored so what Jerry yeah. Smollett wanted some dick who, who, so what so what step up step up oh my gosh I can't I can't do this like also that Tyler reminds Perry me is, he's a menace <laughs> when you talk about how Tyler Perry should write for like young black women that reminds me of a movie that Lena Dunham and J.J. Abrams is going to do and they're going to adapt this young Syrian refugees um, memoir. It was called A Hope More Powerful Than the Sea and they're going to adapt it into the film and Lena Dunham was going to head, spearhead it, the writing for the movie. Like why is this white woman writing a story for a Syrian refugee? Lena! Lena! Hello! Uh, uh, do you know see what's wrong with this? Like... 
Ugh. And I remember when there was all that controversy on girls about her having like diverse characters, and she was like, "Well, you know, I don't really want to. Um, you know, I'm scared that if I write these characters who's I haven't lived their authentic experience, it'll be stereotyped and cliched." So she said that was the reason why she didn't. You know, there was my, my girl wasn't so wasn't very diverse, but yet here we are, and she's doing that. So it's like, okay, so you're just full of shit. Also, a lot of the characters of color on girls were just kind of like props they weren't really there they didn't really like exist on the show they just kind of like pop in and out the same way that um a lot of times people bring in like other characters that are not white to show that the show has diversity but not in the main cast exactly and i said and i've always said now here's my thing is if you're just gonna put characters of color in the background don't do it at all because it makes it look even worse mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, so your characters are, main characters are all white and they just don't interact with people of color. People of color exist. Your main characters are just don't mess with them. I'm like, that looks even worse to me. Just don't put them there. And it brings up the conversation with general audiences not being accepting of leads of color. Are any characters of color in a show where like they're not fully welcome and they don't want them in that show? Like when Aisha Tyler played Ross's girlfriend... Oh, that also brings up the disposable black girl trope that I keep seeing. Where, like, the lead guy is into a girl, and a girl doesn't like him, so what does he do? He dates a black woman, and then gets back with the girl, or dumps a black woman, or treats her unfairly. This happened in you! It happened in you! And it's going to happen again. Oh my gosh, he needs to leave that black girl alone, and he needs to go with a white woman in France if he's really going to be doing all this. Also, did you see the poster for you? It kind of looks like Gossip Girl. Not gonna lie. Yeah, people were saying that on Twitter. I was going to say, the take, we were talking about the take earlier. I think, I want to say the take did a video on that last year. They, but it was just about the disposable black love interest. Because it happens in a lot of shows where, like, the person will break up with their white love interest and go get with a black person. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't really want to be with them. And, 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 and like I said, it's really horrible if that's the only time we get a black character or a person of color in a role, a sub, a role of substance. Like, yeah. Just so the white character can misuse them and then Mm-hmm. Like again, a menace. Um, it was a menace. Like I remember the Friends cast apologized, or the Friends creators apologized for not having people of color on the show. And I was like, first of all, don't give me that because it was mm-hmm. definitely a choice. It was intentional. Yeah, the same thing with Alison Brie playing um, Diane Wynn on BoJack Horseman for all the seasons. Her posting an apology on Instagram I was like, Allison, Allison, listen, don't even bother, girl. Don't, don't just don't. We don't. And I feel like that's so for me. That's so disingenuous. Like so, because they did the same thing with like what the Cleveland show. The the white guy was the or the Cleveland character from Family Guy. Like a white guy had been voicing him, and then they were like, okay, we're gonna cast a black person. Like to me, I'm sorry. For me, I care more about live action stuff and seeing more diversity in that because mm-hmm. it just seems like I don't know. It just seems disingenuous when you're like, yeah, this role that where the character the person only provides the voice. We'll go ahead and cast an actual black person. I'm like, especially after all those years. So I just say that the voice acting thing, and maybe I'm, maybe I should care more about it. But I'm like, that seems kind of disingenuous. I mean, like, oh, I care. The thing is, also, it's like Diane Nguyen. She had like a cultural crisis in the last season of BoJack Horseman. Allison Brie, you have nothing to draw from to relate to that experience. Mm. Also. The entire movie of Prince of Egypt is played by dark-skinned Egyptians with white people in the cast. Can y'all tell me why? Hello? Why? 
what's going on? Also, Big Mouth, the one black character in the show was voiced by Jenny Slate. I love Jenny Slate, but Jenny Slate herself knows plenty of black actresses who can play that role just fine. Like, hello? You want to make a character black, Hispanic, Eastern Asian, Middle Eastern Asian, whatever they may be in their ethnicity, that's fine. But if you start making their culture and their background a huge part of the storyline and it's voiced by a a white person, then it's like, hmm, you know what? No. Don't. Don't bother. Uh, No. Thank you. We're good. And I wonder, and I don't, and I don't, I don't know if this, gonna, if this would make it any better, probably. But like, I wonder if they have like a writer with that background in the writers' room creating that story or adding to that narrative. It's still problematic, yeah. I guess. But like, I'm like, I was like, I would hope at the very least there was a writer in that room who had lived that experience. It also brings up another thing from Bojack Horseman of Todd being asexual, but that's just kind of thrown in there. Like, we don't really learn that much more about him being ba- being asexual or like. He's dating a girl who's asexual, and then she comes out to her parents, and then there's, like, a time card where it says, three minutes later, a meaningful conversation. I'm sorry, you guys just copped out. You didn't want to put a little effort into, like, a three-minute scene of dialogue? Really? It is a cop-out. Like, (laughs) dang. Again, playing in our faces. If you were going to make him asexual, but not expand more into something that is not talked about really at all in any form of media like your representation is slim to nil it's an animation you really can't write me a three-minute scene you guys did a whole episode on abortion and all the other things that you've done on this show there's a whole episode where no one spoke for like 15 minutes there's a whole episode of him with the subject matter that Bojack Horseman covers in every episode that they do and how dark that show can get, you can't give me three minutes of some representation? Oh, it's that hard? Is it? I've seen the things you talk about on that show. Bojack is practically a pedophile. Like, ho- hello? Yeah I've, never, yeah. yeah, I've never seen, I've never watched, like really watched Bojack Horseman. I might have to. I've rewatched this show three times and... As much as I love it, and I also hate it, and I also admire it, it's just like the little things that get under my skin that just get under my skin because like the show is so brilliant, and yet you're don't don't play in my face like this. I'm not dumb. You think I'm a stupid? I'm not. Okay, I know your little tricks, Raphael. All right, I know the show is there done. Was show, say, there was a show called Heartbreak High. It was a remake of like an Australian TV show. Um, but Netflix did like a did a remake of it last year, and there's asexual um, there's an asexual character there. And what's really interesting is that um, the character that he is um, that he's kind of involved with is mm-hmm. gay, but he's a oh and, and there's a difference between asexuality and aromantic being asexual yeah. and being aromantic, right? Because mm-hmm. his character he is a tr- he he has feelings for the gay the the gay character is of interest. But he doesn't have sexual, like he doesn't want to have sex. Mm-hmm. So which one does that, is that a romantic or asexual? I don't want to get it wrong. He's, basically, he's in that realm of things. Yeah, he's asexual. Okay, asexual, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, overall. That was, so I brought that up just to say that that was some representation that I had never seen before. And I was like, and they, and the, the way they use it in the storyline to kind of, you know, it's, it's a, a divide, it kind of divides these two characters. 
Um, so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So Heartbreak High, y'all. If y'all haven't seen that, it's pretty good. Okay. And now we are... I feel like we've gone over all of them in pretty good detail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like we've ta- touched on a lot of them. Um, did touch it? Yeah, I'm good. I don't really want to talk about Firestarter. It wasn't that great. Zach Efron, I don't know why you're in this movie. I love you, King, but this movie was not made. This was not for you. Like, Zach mm-hmm. Efron is still... Zach Efron is a very attractive man. Listen, man, you don't need to be playing dads. Alright, listen. Maybe not in this... Maybe this movie wasn't it for you. Maybe the next one will be better. We'll see. But, yeah. um, Guys... We have spent a lot of time talking about the worst films of 2022, talking about a plethora of other things. I can't even remember all the things we talked about. But now we're going to get into the last segment of the, the podcast, which is called My Watch List, where we talk about movies and TV shows that we can't wait to see that are coming out soon that we've put on our watch list. And one thing that I've put on my watch list recently um, was a few things from Netflix. One is The Recruit, sorry, Noah Sataneo. He plays the FBI's lawyer, which I think it is. And, you know, not a huge fan of the FBI, but I'm going to give it a shot. It's a TV show, you know what I mean? We're here to have some fun. And Sandman, it's also a movie I've been meaning to see. It's on Netflix. And it's also a new reality show on Netflix. It's called Pressure Cooker. And it's basically like, it's like Big Brother and Chopped put together in a reality show. So Pressure Cooker, that's on my watch list. Hopefully I'll get some time to watch it soon. Um, Tristan, what are some things that you are, that are on your watch list? What are some things you can't wait to watch? So um, Wolfpack, which uh, I mentioned earlier, is being done by Jeff Davis. Again, he let me down with Teen Wolf. but um, And actually with Wolfpack, I, I received the screenings for episode one and two. I've watched episode one. I'm going to watch episode two tonight. I'm, I'm interested in seeing how the rest of that season plays out. So I have my problems with Jeff Davis, but I'm going to watch that show. Give it a That's shot. Tra- I'm complete trash for supernatural teen dramas. Anybody who knows me knows I'm trash for that kind of stuff. So I'm going to so That's on my watch list. Mm-hmm. Um, Mayfair Witches um, over on AMC and AMC+. Plus. I got the screeners for the first five episodes, and uh, it's going to be an eight-episode season. So I can't wait to get to see those last three. So that's definitely on my list. Um, films, I'm really looking forward to Ant-Man. I'm really, there's a film coming out next Friday called um, When You're Finished Saving the World, which stars, oh God, he's one of the kids from Stranger Things, uh, Finn Wolfhard and Julianne Ooh. Moore. It came out, oh. I'm really looking forward to that dropping in theaters next week. It was a Sundance darling last year, but it's finally getting its theatrical release. Um, we're going to check out House Party because, again, I love the original and I know mm-hmm. that this they're going in a new direction. want to see how different it is and if it's actually, you know, kind of decent. Um, as far as TV goes, no, wait, wait, Ant-Man. That's another movie that I'm really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. That drops next month. And also Missing, starring Storm Reid and oh, Naya Long. And now I'm suddenly blanking on TV shows that I'm looking forward to. But um, so, yeah, those are four films, though, that I'm, I'm really going to have to check out and review. Oh, TV show, Mayfair Witches. I want to finish season one of the Mayfair Witches. I received screeners of the Wait first Wait a minute, is that the show with the whole girl two. from um, Percy Jackson? Yeah. She's Alexandra? The, yeah, the lead, but, 
Um, she does a pretty good job, and she was nominated for like a Golden Globe for her work on The White Lotus. So she's really getting some recognition. She was in The White Lotus season one. She so, yeah, was. She's, she, it was like it was like a Golden Globe or an Emmy that she's been nominated for. So like she's really getting some some notoriety, and uh, she's she's really good in the Mayfair witches. So I want to finish out that it's an eight episode season, so I think you have to watch the last three whenever AMC sends those to me. Then Wolfpack. Paramount Plus has sent me the first two episodes. The first one was pretty good, and I think that's like an eight or nine episode season. So, yeah, those are two shows I'm looking forward to. Like, they're on my radar. I want to finish out their seasons and see how they turn out. Okay, good. And even though I talk, I talk crap about Jeff Davis. Uh huh. Again, episode one of Wolfpack was pretty decent. He doesn't okay. like people of color. Doesn't <laughs> like people of color, but I'm gonna watch it anyway because episode one was intriguing. So just just so people don't get it confused. Jeff Davis has been on my list. He will always be on my list. I'll still, I'll still give his shows a chance, just as I'm, I'm trash for supernatural teen dramas. I am also trash for supernatural teen dramas, as I continually rewatch Merlin, even though I should let that show go and it did twenty fifteen. I need to move on. But I just want to say, like, this is something I'm gonna say, and it's one of those things where like I usually keep to myself. But then I thought, you know, what? I'm gonna say it. There are some actresses where it's like. Do I see you as a good actress or are you pretty? Like, is it talent? Is it? Like, Alexandria, don't know her last name, but basically the girl from White Lotus and Mayfair Witches and Percy Jackson. I see her and like, gorgeous, beautiful, striking. However, do I like her as an actress or is she just like kind of there and I'm like, okay. I feel kind of like the same way with Dakota Johnson. Like, she seems like a cool person. She seems pretty cool. But as an actress, I'm still trying to figure out if, like, I like her performances. I'm trying to figure out if I like her and, like, seeing her in movies. Or is it because she's recognizable and she's pretty? Like, I'm trying to still decipher that. I can... I'm not trying to be, like, uh, a pick-me, you know? But I'm trying to figure it out. Like, Jennifer Lawrence, um... I like her still, you know. I really do like her as an actress. She's very, very talented. She's proven that time and time again. I think that she's matured a lot as, you know, Hollywood has not been kind to her because around the time of Funger Games, mm, girl, listen, everyone kept making her the cool guy or like the cool girl. And then eventually, of course, when you're made, like when you're like tokenized as something, like the cool girl or something in Hollywood, then it's like, now let's see what exactly makes her super annoying so that we don't have to like her. I did not like that she rubbed her ass on like a sacred rock in Hawaii while they're filming the second Hunger Games, which she told on the Graham Norton show. That was disrespectful, obviously, to that culture. But you know, other than that, I really don't have anything else to say about Jennifer Lawrence because I don't really be keeping up with her like that. You know what I mean? But yes. Um... Sorry for the tangent. Nope. It's okay. <laughs> I, like, I, I, so, um, no, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. And so um, I was going to say with the, with Alexandra from, you know, Mayfair Witches and, and the White Lotus, I feel like, because, you know, because I, I, only, I only know her from Percy Jackson uh-huh. and I haven't watched White Lotus. So going into the first five episodes of Mayfair Witches, I'm like, but it, like, and I, I was like, okay, so I've only seen this girl in Percy Jackson. Mm. That was like a goofy, fun action adventure thing. So I was just kind of, but I knew about her work on White Lotus and I knew she was critically lauded for mm-hmm. that. So I went into Mayfair, which is expecting her to be good. And she is, and she does a, a good job. But it also kind of leaves me wondering, like, dang, 
Is it only because I know that you've been nominated for an Emmy or a Golden Globe? Is that the reason why I'm already telling myself you're going to be good? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I've already made up my mind that she's good, or is it... But I think she does do an excellent job. I'm going to, you know, double back and watch her season one of The White Lotus to see, you know, how she does on that. But uh, she she really did impress me on The Mayfair Witches. I was like... Because going into it, I was like, I don't see her playing a, a doctor. But again, mm-hmm. the last time I saw her, she was playing a demigoddess. So... But she does an excellent job. So, I th- but I do get what you're saying. Sometimes you're like, do I just like you, or mm-hmm. are you actually talented? Yeah, I think you might be right because there have been times where an actor or an actress is something that is objectively bad, and you're like, ooh, baby girl, what's going on? But like, I think for me, I try to give people a chance. Like Kristen Stewart. I was never on the hate train with her because, like, even though I didn't like the Twilight movies, I didn't think it was her fault, you know? I like the books. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that the movie was bad because book-to-movie adaptations are just bad. I didn't, like, think that she was a terrible actress who ruined the movies. That's not it. Like, she was just doing her job. And Krista Stewart is a good actress. She's a great actress. That's one of those examples where, like, sometimes what you're, when you're in a bad movie or a bad TV show, people just assume that you're a terrible actor. But you're not. You're a pretty good actor. Like... A wonderful one, even. I do have to say, I am hoping so badly that Jacob Elordi ends up being Hollywood's new darling. Because even though he plays an abusive dick on Euphoria, and like, maybe I shouldn't be voting for this tall white man. Listen, I want him to prove himself. I want him to... (laughs) I want him to, like, take on some roles and show us that he can do it. I want to see it. Like, obviously, like, if you were being that terrible of a person on television already... You have chops. You've already got it. I just need you to show it outside of Euphoria, please. 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 Because Barbie already left the show. I know Zendaya's about to leave that show. Why would I watch season three? Why would I give... Like, Zendaya has her Emmy and her Golden Globe for both seasons. She's Wait, good. Does she, have a, she has mo- Like, doesn't she have at least... she have two Emmys or two Golden Globes? She, she has two of one of those awards, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure so she yes, has two but, Emmys. Yeah, because our point, you know, you're, like just to your point, like, yeah, oh, oh, girl, she... I'm so sorry. I don't know if you can still hear me. No, I can't. Okay, my, my headphones were just out. So, to your point, like, she's just, she's on the rise. She's not going to do many, too many seasons, too, more, um, too many more seasons of that show. And it's just crazy. Let's not even get on. We, we, we might need to have a Euphoria episode, because season two... Oh, my gosh. I actually did like, a Euphoria just, episode, but you know what? I'm always down to another because Euphoria, that, that show is wild. It should be studied how shows can go from, like, just like the, this is an old show. I don't know if you remember. This, there was a show called Heroes. Season one was amazing. And then season two, it just dropped. And I feel like the same thing happened with Euphoria where it's like, there should be a study about shows where, like, the first season is amazing. And there's just this drastic shift going into the second season. Mm-hmm. Like that before you should be studied in that way because that second season was just mind you there were some I was kikin throughout that entire uh, uh, like the I don't know if kikin is the word like I was laughing and stuff like um doing that play scene like there was some funny stuff oh in season that play that scene play is iconic the oh whole play, the two part play episode was iconic I still cackle and kiki about that one because it was funny. Like overall, like some of the character choices, I was just like, "What the?" And then again, some of the characters just being written out, or we getting we're getting no expert uh, explanation behind you know where they are. 
the whole thing with Jacob Elordi's character and Sidney Sweeney's character getting together, like yeah, that was kind of like. Although why I did that happen? It. I kind of think she was. She's just. A, she's just. She's easily manipulated, and she's just. I mean, he needed somebody to control, and so it's like it was kind of a perfect storm. I was still just like, wow. I feel like that was like a season three type of thing. We're like, come on, set it up in season two where we where we kind of like, oh wait, are they gonna get together? That would be random. And then he hit us with that in season three. I feel like that was like a later season kind of thing. And it was like, okay, wow. I would have enjoyed a season of like Rue and Old Girl being happy before. Uh, Everything. Man. Oh my gosh. What was going on in Euphoria? What were they doing? But y'all, we were. Y'all, we were wrapping up. We didn't sit. We, oh my we gosh. So <laughs> we got so far away from our ending. But oh yeah. my God. Come God. back because we have we have more to say. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to this up. Thank you, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Vibe and Me to watch that. We're talking about uh, terrible movies in 2022 with wonderful return guest Tristan. Guys, listen, look at the description. You'll see all kinds of things. You'll see Tristan's socials, a link to Geek Nation. It's a Gate Vibe Nation. Cinema Spot. In Cinema United Spot. Yep. All, all that. the sites that I write for. So yeah, and check me out on Twitter mm-hmm. um, and, event, and on YouTube. I promise I'm going to be posting more videos. Go mm-hmm. check out my old ones. Mm-hmm. And guys, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Rate us on Spotify. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Anchor. And also support the podcast now with the Patreon. Yay! Come support us on Patreon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye.